sometimes you just need to touch grass, literally and figuratively. And we recommend you bring books. Tell the bibliologist set tailored book recommendations about what you love and what you don't and what you want to read this summer on your outdoor adventures. You can get your recommendations via email or receive hardcovers in the mail. And TBR has plans for every budget. This summer, touch grass and bring books. You pack the bags, we pick the books. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. This is the Book Ride Podcast. I'm Jeff O'Neill. And I'm Rebecca Shinsky. I remembered my line this week. You did remember your line. I can get myself recorded, apparently. I'm knocking on wood. We lit candles um, here. I don't know what... It's Glitchfest 2024. But today we are talking about the It Books of March of 2024. Because believe it or not, we are into March here before to, you know, a few days away. Um, I guess you'll be hearing this uh, if you're listening to it pretty quick after release, maybe toward the tail end of February. But we're into the year, and boy, the last couple weeks of February really showed it. Mm-hmm. And March is a really very, very strong month, I would say, Start for books like you and I are interested in. Um, I guess overview, Rebecca. So far, I, I, we were just talking about some of our recent reading, other things we're doing for the show. It's turning into a pretty good spring, I would say. On the whole, January was rough, but a pretty good spring. January was rough. February has been nice. I've had some enjoyable reading time, and I was just looking at all the releases that I've marked for personal reading for March, having one of those like really come in face to face with the fact that time is finite moments. Like, there's no way I'm going (laughs) to get to all of these. There are a few months every year that really do that, where it's like, no matter how good my intentions are, I'm going to miss a few that I really would like to get to, and I'm trying to you know, figure out which ones are going to make the cut first. Do that, like, priority shuffle. March is looking mm-hmm. really good. Very good. Yeah, I had a similar thought. Um, between a January where it felt like I could read everything I was interested in because the lineup was weak, um, and being in a pretty good reading groove, I was like, I've, I've got this. I'm going to read them all. I'm going to read all the books. I got finally. Can't be stopped. Yeah. Yeah, and then between, I you know, I got COVID and then just some bumps in my reading Patterns and suddenly I'm behind the uh, eight ball again and trying to swim to catch up with everything that I, I would like to read and we want to do on the show. Anyway, um, for those of you who this might be your first time listening to a knit book segment, we talk about 10 books that I have selected. We take them one on each other and they knock out each other um, to decide what the it book of the year, uh, excuse me, the, the month is going to be. And it is a vibes-based process that also has some of our experience, intuition, and other things we may or may not know about what's going on with these books. It's not just sales. It's not just people who ride the F train in Brooklyn. It's not just what we think is going to win an award. It's a little bit of everything. The perfect book does it all. Um, Those are unusual. So usually there's a book or two that rises to the fore because of the strength of one or two quadrants. Um, by the end, I pick them and mostly let Rebecca decide what goes on. I break the tie, mostly, yeah. Generally speaking, mostly. Um, that is not to say I do not have my opinion and try to influence the judge about what's <laughs> what may go on. But ultimately, yeah. I try to uh, have seeded the field, but I'm not going to to reap it at the same time. You've only come in off the top rope a couple of times, and you did let mm. me get my hottest take ever kind of, you know, unimpeded a couple of months ago. Right. So it's a fun time. Okay. Uh, with that, we're going to do a first sponsor break and then get into the list. 
sometimes you just need to touch grass, literally and figuratively. And we recommend you bring books. Tell the bibliologist set tailored book recommendations about what you love and what you don't and what you want to read this summer on your outdoor adventures. You can get your recommendations via email or receive hardcovers in the mail. And TBR has plans for every budget. This summer, touch grass and bring books. You pack the bags, we pick the books. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. Up first, The Hunter by Tana French comes out March 5th, 2024. It is the second in this series that features a a retired Chicago police officer who was retired into the rural hinterlands of West Ireland. And, you know, he he just wants to till some stuff, work in the shed, putter. (laughs) Drink some tea. Fill in some stuff. Doesn't have a swift half at the pub. Yeah. It sounds great, but you know what? People get killed, Rebecca. And if you're a cop, you, you can't stand by. If you're a you're a former cop with a heart of gold that does things its own way. I really like the first book in this. There, there's not a series, but this character is reappearing again the first time in The Searcher. I recommend it to a bunch of people. I will be reading this uh, very, very soon after it comes out on my iPad. March 5th from Viking. I. Don't love to see 480 pages. Oh, would you like to hear? Do you need any more details about? There's no. an English millionaire, a good-looking kid. Okay. Uh, yeah. Does it matter what the actual no. plot is? I don't think it. Does. I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. dangerous to live in Tana French's Ireland in the same way that it's dangerous to live in like Angela Lansbury's it Maine. Is. It seriously <laughs> um, is very dangerous. I think this is exciting. If you are a Tana French fan, like a second mm. book from a familiar character is not the greatest entry point for a new reader and Tana French is coming I think will for the rest of her career probably be coming off the huge peak of her first was it trilogy the Dublin Murder Squad Um, that was just when you come out of the gate with such a big hit like she's having a great career Uh, nobody needs to be sad for Tana French but those first three were so huge I think she's maintained a dedicated core of readers it's a question for me how many new readers she is gathering versus is this just sort of folks hanging on who have been reading her for a long time. It's notable when there's a new Tana French book. It will almost definitely be good. People will like it. People will read it. They'll do what you did. They'll recommend it to folks. Right. But she's not likely to be up for awards fodder. It's not super zeitgeisty no. because we know what a Tana French novel is now, what a Tana French mystery yeah. feels like. I think this deserves to make the list, kind of understand why either you or the random number generator <laughs> put it in first. Um, not likely to pro- you know, progress very far. Very unlikely, especially in this month's field, to win, but it's certainly worth noting. Yeah, I, I wondered about um, maybe the... I don't know how calculating the effort was to make the protagonist American mm-hmm. um, in this new series. To try to cross the pond and, and get, I, I, I assume, I don't know this for sure, but my mental model is that she is quite a bit more popular on the other side uh, of the Atlantic, though she's quite popular here. But to break out here, could could this do, you know, I, what's the upside? I don't think it's Kristen Hanna-like numbers. I just linked in today in books today that Kristen mm. Hanna's new book is selling. That's a shock to everyone, I know. <laughs> um, but can can we get into the mix here? Um, Richard Osman seems to have blown up her spot in terms of the most beloved writer of um, intellectual mysteries, I think, mm-hmm. uh, over there. And 
if there's ever going to have a little bit of spike, usually it's the second book in a series because it took a little while for people to have the first one and get around to it. But this is going to be fun, and I'm going to really look forward to it and recommend it. And but you're, I think you're your general. Uh, yeah, and I wonder too, like correct. Cozy seems to be the vibe lately, and Tana French is far from cozy. So I wonder if she's suffering. Yeah, I don't uh, know if it's far from cozy. Like it's not super bloody, and it's like not like Victor Laval or something like that, where it converge onto horror. Um, but cozy, I don't think. I don't think it is. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Maktub, an inspirational companion to the Alchemist by one Paulo Coelho, <laughs> an essential companion to the inspirational classic, filled with timeless stories of reflection and rediscovery. <sighs> From one of the greatest writers of our age, settle down, marketing copy, comes a collection of stories and parables unlocking the mysteries of the human condition. Gathered from Paulo Coelho's daily column of the same name, Maktub, meaning it is written, invites seekers on a journey of faith, self-reflection, and transformation. Okay, I gotta stop. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, I put it on here because The Alchemist sold mm-hmm. all the books mm-hmm. and continues to sell. And I noticed this. The marketing, I think, is quite smart. Mm-hmm. This is repackaged column material. There's nothing here to get excited about if you, you know, follow Coelho's career. This is, you know, putting it all back together. Now, having said that, would anyone pick this up because it has the alchemist on it? I do not know what his follow-on readership is like. Who, how many, I mean, there's been other books. I can't name a single one of them. I know they sold to some degree, but they've probably sold, what, one-tenth what the alchemist has done? Uh that I think if you can do one-tenth of what the alchemist has done, that would be incredible. Incredible, Yeah. Yeah, this, I was on Today in Books Duty when this book announcement came out, the week yeah. that came out, and I remember being like, okay, let's, I just need to ha- take an existential sigh <laughs> and mm-hmm. know that this is going to sell probably a lot of copies, also probably not nearly as many as The Alchemist sold, but when you're coming on, like, he's got decades of fandom for yeah. The Alchemist, and I, I don't know, my hope is that decades after The Alchemist changed your life, you have some different perspective on The Alchemist. But I think there are enough people holding on to like make it worth it for them to do this, especially since, as you were saying, they're just repackaging existing material. I really don't know how many folks are out there like waiting for there to be a new Paolo Coelho book. Um, because you regress to the mean, especially after something like The Alchemist. Does anybody have two yeah. life-changing books in them? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's unusual. If I liked The Alchemist better, it'd be a wonderful first right. edition, you know, oral history of how The Alchemist yes. became The Alchemist. Because um, I don't actually know what the, you know, I, I, I don't know what the path, the glide path was for. Mm. Actually, yeah, not the glide wonder, path, the exit velocity. This is a rocket yeah, ship. Yeah, I wonder if it's similar to, like, The Prophet. I had fun doing an episode yeah, on the prophet. Yeah, that's right. Go check out um, Annotated. I wonder... I, this is an interesting first pairing, because Tana yeah, French Yeah, I made is, it tricky. I made you I did. it a little bit in my pairing yeah. here. Tana French is, you know, writing on current mm. fandom, and you know what you're going to get, and it has the genre situation of, like, it's familiar tropes. It will have a resolution at the end. Now, I don't think that Tana French and Paolo Coelho are competing for the same readers. So I'm talking, I'm like talking myself into a false dichotomy. But in terms of zeitgeistiness, if 
This Paolo Coelho is successful. I think it will be a marketing success, not a readers love it success. And so for that reason alone, I'm going to pass Tana French through instead. Okay. Um, Moving on. I I got the sort of throat clearing ones out of the way here. Now it gets more interesting um, for us, I guess, as readers, or or I like to think about these kinds of things. Parasol Against the Axe, which is a hell of a title. It is. Um, And it wouldn't surprise you to hear that that hell of a title that is jarring and alluring at the same time. It's not the worst way to describe the work of Helen Oyeyemi, um, who wrote, I mean, pieces, gingerbread. This is a novel. I'm going to read a. I'm going to do three sentences of the synopsis, and one. And we're going to need to re- regroup and unmelt our minds. Here we go. <laughs> okay. um, a novel about competitive friendship and the elastic boundaries of storytelling and the meddling influence of a city called Prague. Not Prague, a city called Prague. Hmm. In this joyous new novel, the Czech capital is a living thing, one that can let you in or spit you out. Hero to Josua accepts an invitation she was half expected to decline and finds herself in Prague on a bachelor weekend hosted by her strange friend. <sighs> Little does she know she's arrived in the city with a penchant for playing tricks on the unsuspecting. I have no idea what this is going to feel like, Rebecca, after reading that. What, <laughs> Me neither. I, I, what is that? Oya Yemi tends to have this like modern fable feeling yes. to her work. But this, like, the city is alive and can play tricks on you feels kind of China Mieville to me. Like, more. It's like sex in the Kafkan city. I don't know what yes. this is. It's very strange. Speculative e in a way that, oh, yeah, that I haven't read Oya Yemi being before. I think this will either be great or we will hear nothing about it. It's hard for me like, to. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> huh. It's hard. Or, or it'll be like a collective huh, <laughs> where no one knows what to do uh-huh. with it. And that's really possible with her. She's a challenging read, or she can be on the challenging can side. Be. So, in terms of like, I'd be very surprised to see this get, you know, like a Reese's Book Club big visibility no. situation no. like that. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, it's been a while since we've had a Helen Oyeyemi novel, and I forget the details, but I recall like around Me Too time, there was some criticism of how she handled some gender stuff in one of the previous books. Mm. I don't, that's all I remember about it, which tells you- That's it, all I remember it, too. Yeah. Yeah. That like whatever the details were, at least in the, you know, seven years since have like faded into seeming not bad enough to remember in their specificity. <laughs> Uh, which could, that could mean all kinds of things. Um, right. So I don't know if there are, I really don't have any idea what to expect. Are there from, champions out there? I mean, you're kind of going circus. Yeah. Are there like, champions is, out there? Right. Are or will there be about? champions? Is book yeah. media going to be excited about it? Right. Will people like quietly read it, but not feel like they should talk about it on Twitter because mm. someone might get mad at them because Helen Oyeyemi handled something, you know, less than great in a past book. I think a whole breadth of reactions to it is possible. It's also possible that like, now that we're seven years out of the hottest moments of yeah. Me Too, people might have like cooled on that criticism. Again, I don't remember what the specifics were, so I don't remember if it's like criticism you could have cooled on. <laughs> um, I think Tana French is the better bet here okay. for a lot of okay. reasons. But yeah. Oya Yemi, worth being on the list. Yep. Um, after that, we are going to The Morning Side by one Tia Obret, which is not her second novel. It is her third <laughs> novel, as a uh, listener was very gently 
and I, I say that non-euphemistically. Yeah, it was a gentle them, correction. Even, even included a story about reminding their partner about their second novel. Um, also, you can see that email in one of the past issues of the Book Riot <laughs> Podcast newsletter and my response to it. If you'd like to, um, Obrit made a big splash with The Tiger's Wife. This mm-hmm. is the third novel. Um, let's see. After being expelled from their ancestral home in the not-so-distant future, Sylvia and her mother finally set her at the Morningside, a crumbling luxury tower in a place called Island City, where Sylvia's aunt Edna serves as the superintendent. She feels unmoored, and there's something secretive, and the city's half under... Okay, again, I'm kind of in the same space. Like I need to stop actually trying mm-hmm. to figure out what it's about, because this is about how it feels, it feels to me like this may not be fair because the Tiger's Wife had some elements of there. Let's tap into some Emily St. John Mandel vibes. Mm-hmm. Is what see, this is what feels like is trying to happen here. Could be right, could be wrong. Interested to see Inland, as I said before, the second book didn't do much to mm-hmm. my memory, at least to me. This is a real test of, you know, this is coming out from Random House. If this doesn't do very ne- well, does her next book come out from Random House, if you hear what I'm saying? Yes, that's the question I have, too. And it makes me want to go back and Google, did she get a two-book deal after The Tiger's Wife and this is the end of it? Uh, maybe. Um, I think be. that's possible. When in March is this one out? I don't have it on. 19th. Okay, so we're only a couple weeks out. I am concerned for Taya Obert that I have not heard anything about this from anybody. <sighs> yeah. And that's kind of all yeah. I have to say about that. <laughs> so, Tana French rolls on. Wow, okay. Here we go. We're, we're cooking now. Memory Piece by Lisa Ko. Her f- last book, was it first book? Uh, I can't remember. The Leavers was a really good novel, also about friendship, also unusual. This next one is called Memory Piece. Three friends in the early 80s, and mm. it sounds like the book follows them all the way in the 20, into the 2040s. So... A multi-generational saga of friendship, Rebecca. Are you sitting Love down? That. Do you need a moment to fan yourself a little bit? <laughs> um, one is a coder, one is a performance artist, and the other is a community organizer. Interesting. Um, and they live in the same neighborhood in New York City several, several decades in the future. I think this sounds pretty great. Yeah. Um, so there you go. I love this. I'm I'm really glad that the multi-generational saga is like expanding beyond the typical family stuff and into yeah, right. friendships and other, you know, kinds of long-running relationships. This is unlikely to beat out Tana French unless it mm. gets a big book club pick and it could. This has book club convo written all over it. And it could be good. I mean, this yeah. is the kind of thing. She's already been nominated for the National Book Award, like a finalist, the Leavers. So there's some bona fides here. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you're picking this a little bit, you're like, okay, it's early in the year. Let's see how this all shakes out when it comes to pen awards and National Book yeah. Critics Circle awards and stuff it's, like that later. It's in definitely a higher likelihood for awards fodder than Tana French yeah. is. It, it would be really shock me if it outsold Tana French. Again, though, if it's a big book club pick, it could outsell Tana French. I'm 
I think I'm going to be willing to take this bet. I'll be surprised if this ends up being the it book of the month, but I'm mm. willing to like bet on it for a little bit and just like okay. let's go for a you fun know, ride. You know, there's some books. You know, there's some books left, and you know how I do. So this yeah. is this is a cowardly bold pick by you. To have memory <laughs> Listen, I'm not the one who put it in this you. slot on the list, but I'm going to ride with Lisa okay, Co well, for at least one. All round. right, all right. <laughs> um, speaking of cowardly picks, sometimes we put one in for us. Mm. Um, and this one is There's Always This Year on Basketball and Ascension by Han- Hanifa Durakib, which is coming out March 26th from Random House. A poignant personal reflection on basketball life and home. He also wrote Little Devil in America, a book that you recommended to me. We both really liked and have recommended in all kinds of ways. Mm-hmm. This is about basketball. Basketball writing, I think, is a different show, is having a there's a bit of a moment between Ross Gay and Durakib, and there's some other stuff I've seen in the offing. Um, I'm fascinated to see yes. what this is going to be. I don't know if it's a series of essays. I really can't tell. Um, it doesn't sound. It doesn't sound like it is. It sounds like it's a. It also doesn't say it's a memoir. A poignant personal recollection. It, what is that? <laughs> Don't ask is questions, man. Just let is, it happen. I don't understand. Is each chapter going to be about LeBron and then street ball and then, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I'm thinking of it as I mean, intersect like, with other things. I'm just not sure. Abdurraqib is usually like my life through the lens of X or this thing through the lens of my life. Yeah. And they move back and forth. Uh, so while A Little Devil in America is mostly like a kind of cultural criticism it's infused with a lot of memoir elements and i think this is going to be a similar vibe on basketball basketball is central to his life um he's also like he plays basketball he's a huge fan he's you know Mm -hmm. written extensively about lebron he does other kinds of sports writing i i would guess it's going to be essay collection ish um But there will be threads that like weave through the whole thing. Um, how discreet yeah, basketball the might essays be the beat, are, and then each individual yes. topic or section will be a improvisation or variation that connects some mm-hmm. other piece to the underlying yeah. rhythm. Of Listen, nothing would make me more delighted than for Hanif Abdurraqib to get really famous and sell a metric ton of books. Yeah, <laughs> um, this is one for us probably here. I think he'll sell. It might be nominated for some things. I think there's um, a very good chance of that. There's yeah, of definitely that. fandom among like the literary internet. Um, mm-hmm. Also, not for nothing, he has a, an, a reputation as just being like a great dude, and I think people are looking yeah. for opportunities to give him a bigger platform. But the Lisa Co has that book clubby potential that can really help you skyrocket sales um so i think mm-hmm. it's going to be lisa co for another round but like hanif is the winner in my heart for sure yeah if we had a separate nonfiction track it'd be a strong contender mm-hmm. um for the month for sure. yeah nonfiction has a hard time in these it does have a hard a very hard time in these unless you're a david gran or right i don't mm-hmm. even know what else at this point is breaking through um next up anita de monte laughs last by zochel gonzalez this is her second novel after Olga Dies Dreaming comes out March 5th, so next week. It is a, I've read this, I should say, um, so I'll, I guess I'll save it for some other conversation, but it's sort of a two-pronged narrative. There's one about an artist who is the titular um, Anita DeMonte, 
in the 80s New York and international art world, and then a young undergraduate art history student who has an occasion to encounter the woman's work. Hmm. It's fraught. It's about identity, and it's about inheritance. It's about culture and memory and forgetting and who gets to tell whose stories and why and what happens. Um, I really like this book, Starred Review and Publishers Weekly. It's got one of these electric, ready-for-Instagram covers. Easily could see it as one of the... I, I can see right now that it is in a kind of a sweet spot for the big time book clubs. I don't know if it'll get picked for it, but it is upmarket literary fiction that is about something and feels like it's about something, but it's also not it's a it's a fun read. And I'm not saying that to, I'm not saying that disparaging at all. Yeah, no. Um it's a fun it's read good it and turns pages. Like it. There's some drama and characterization stuff that's really interesting. So mm. um there you go. Anita Monte Last Last by Zojil Gonzalez. I guess we're up against Lisa Ko. Yes. Still at this point with memory piece. Man, Zushito Gonzalez just came out of the gate with yep. such a hit the first time around. And I don't think we've seen her biggest splash. That first one, Olga Dies Dreaming, was big, but wasn't so big that you're like, okay, right. just expect that everything else will be smaller because it's, you know, in rarefied air. Mm-hmm. I feel like she's still on the rise. So I'm going to go yeah. with Anita DeMonte. I'm looking forward to this one. I, if we were still in peak TV, a six-episode limited series about this would have been extremely... Ooh. I mean, it'd be cool anyway. Mm-hmm. Possible. The possibility of this thing happening <laughs> has changed um, considerably right now. There's a couple of... There's one at least wonderful part mm. for someone to play. Okay. Uh, well, Anita DeMonte, that's not a spoiler. I'm trying yeah. not to spoiler it. I spoil it. Uh, I'm not used to having read these things beforehand, so I'm a little tongue-tied even more than usual when it comes to describing books because I don't know what to say and what not to say. Okay. Uh, Up next, clocking in at 144 pages on March 12th from Knopf, is Until August by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Mm. This is the posthumously rediscovered novel by... I don't know. What, I mean, what are we going to say? One of the great writers <laughs> of the twentieth century. I mean, here, yeah. I, I don't know what you want to <laughs> want me to do here. Um, sitting alone beside the languorous blue waters of the lagoon, Anna Magdalena Bach contemplates the men at the hotel bar. She's been happily married for twenty-seven years, has no reason to escape the life she has made with her husband and children, and yet every August and she yet. travels by ferry here to the island where her mother is buried, and for one night takes a new level, like the swallows to Capistrano. And it comes back. Put this uh, right into my veins. I, now, this is kind of it. This sounds great. It's a hundred. I mean, it's like a novella, right? It's like mm-hmm. a very slight and slender premise. Yeah. It sounds pretty cool. I'm almost wondering if this book had Elena Ferrante on it, are people more interested mm, in it? Maybe. Yeah, right? It is. I mean, it's the kind of novel now that could break a female writer's career in a new direction, probably. This is the kind of thing that like women writers are doing now Mm -hmm. a little bit more of a like wish fulfillment, uh, empowerment, like however you want to spin it. There's an, it's an edgy idea. Um, There's a story in Megan Mayhew Bergman's latest short story collection. That's like the four day a week. wife, the part-time wife I think is the title. And it's a similar idea. It's this woman tells her husband, like I'll be your wife for four days a week. And the other three days are mine. (laughs) Um, I'm seeing that theme kind of coming up in a lot of places. 
Mm. I mean, who's going to compete with Gabriel Garcia Marquez? <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I mean, I don't it's, know. I I'm very torn. Like we've seen yeah. posthumous novels before, and it's unusual. I don't know what to make of it. Like, what's the one that? I mean, it's it's Ghost at a Watchman. We saw Juneteenth mm. with Ellison. Like, we weren't doing this then, but um, yeah, this is tough. Know. Very tough. Marquez is one, like, first of all, his reputation posthumously has not been ruined by revelations about bad stuff. Um, Also writing out a different era of sexual politics. I don't know how Mm -hmm. this, I mean, this could have been written 40 years ago. Right. For all we know. Book people will care, but general readers will not. Like, there's this piece of my heart wants to be like, obviously, Marquez just takes this. Yeah. but I think the smart bet for what will be zeitgeisty, what will sell, what might have yeah. big book club potential, what might get nominated for awards is Zoshito Gonzalez. So I guess email okay. her since now you have interviewed her and tell her yeah. that we've we've weighed in and no pressure, but we think she's going to beat Gabriel yeah, Garcia yeah, Marquez just, this you know, month. The great, the great um, <laughs> South, greatest South American novelist of all time. You know, you nipped him in the bud here. Uh, okay, moving right along. The Prisoner's Throne, a novel of Elfheim, Volume 2, by Holly Black. Mm. We are in commercial, fantasy, series, big-time author, Little Brown for Young Readers, March 5th, 2024. I, she, Holly Black writes these fairy, fae, I don't know what we're supposed to say anymore. I, the, the pronouns for fairies elude me what I'm supposed to be using <laughs> What a sentence. So this is this is a this is a this is our representative from the part of the book reading world in which we do not participate. Moves a ton of units. You know, we need to at least look over there to see what's Mm -hmm. going on. And this is the one I found for this month. All right. Book two gives me pause. Like you're not gonna jump into a big uh, fantasy series if you haven't read book one. this will probably sell more books than most of the other books we're talking about today by virtue of being a big mm-hmm. YA fantasy situation. There's TikTok ability here. I haven't seen, you know, like award nominations for the first one. Holly I mean, they Black. don't. I mean, all of right. them, I mean, Sarah J. Maas, none of them are in war. I mean, right. none of these are fourth wing. None of them are in a war. They sell, characters. but they're not going to be critically acclaimed. Yeah. There's not like enduring literary legacy for most popular mm. genre. Um, That's true. I'm going to go with Zoshito Gonzalez still. Okay. All right. All right. Let's move. Last up, and I put it in the stinger spot okay. because it is James by Percival mm. Everett. <laughs> Percival Everett, who couldn't be striking harder <sighs> with a hotter iron. Right so now, happy coming about off this. American fiction um, and a decade's worth of good feeling towards the kinds of people who care about literary presses and literary writing, mm-hmm. making his debut with a big five publisher, Doubleday. James is his reimagining of Huckleberry Finn, largely from now James's point of view. You might know him better in the book as Jim. American Fiction, which is based on his book Erasure, has a really good chance to win some awards. Adapted mm-hmm. Screenplay, I think, is probably the best. Uh, Jeffrey Wright, I think, has a real chance, too. I think so. This is coming out, like, I think 
the Oscars are right so, before this? Yeah, I the think? Oscars are on the 10th and this is the 19th. Good Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a real chance of putting a checker on a checker. If American Fiction wins adapted screenplay, this book comes out the next week. Early reviews have been excited and interested. Um, it's the again, I don't know what this is going to be, but it's a very. It's almost like American Fiction is about the kind of book Percival Everett is writing now, but also not. So it's very yeah. meta in a way. So I'm <laughs> yeah. completely excited. I can barely contain myself, Me too. Rebecca. I. I, I have to assume this is going to be the pick, which is why I put it yes, here. Smart. Is there any reason not to? Or no, what this is this is the right? one. Um, I got a finished hardcover in the mail, and it is everything I can do not to read it yeah. early because we're going to do a book club episode of it for the Patreon in uh, early April, like a few weeks after the book comes out. We'll do that episode, and I try to do that reading closer in. So from like yeah. the 19th on, I'm just going to have to like put my blinders on when I go <laughs> online. <laughs> Yeah, my, like, I, this is one of my rare pre-orders um, yeah, to make sure that I'm, this comes in when I want it. This was, I think, my number one pick in our winter draft. Yeah. And I was coming off of having read Erasure for the first time. I don't know that there's a writer I'm more excited to catch up on everything they've written than mm, Percival there's Everett. There's a lot, too. There's a bunch of books. There, there is a lot, and I've only read a handful of them. I hope that... Cord Jefferson and crew win for Best Adapted Screenplay. And we're going to talk about some Best Adapted Screenplay mm-hmm. theories next week. And they stand on stage and they go, and if you loved this movie, go pick up James by Percival Everett next week when it comes out. Like, perfect platform. The book looks beautiful. It's just a wonderful addition to a spin on a classic story told from a minor character's perspective. Um, and the way that Everett will do that, I have so much faith, is going to be sharp and funny. Um, we had a question from a listener on our... Yeah, I was just thinking um, about this. Yeah, on our Patreon mailbag episode a few weeks ago, who um, is Canadian, so that's like a that's a wrinkle in their relationship to it, but had who as an adult had just read Huck Finn for the first time and was like... This is terrible, like the language and the way that they treat the black people and all of it is awful. What do we think about this? Does Huckleberry Finn still matter? And you and I landed in the place of like, it does if you want to understand American literature and what satire was at the time. Like this was the, Huck Finn was the sharpest kind of satire at the time Mm -hmm. that it came out. Nobody was writing more pointedly than Twain was, at least for a mass audience. I think Percival Everett had, there are real analogs to be made or analogies to be made between how Everett writes now and for him to take on a character yeah. like Jim from a book like Huckleberry Finn and do the kinds of things that we know he can do is so exciting. I, I'm like beside myself um, for this to come out. I also hope he gets just super famous <laughs> and very rich off of it. And not for nothing, I think there's book club potential here hmm. to get your book club together and like talk about this perspective on an American classic and what it must have been like to be Jim in a book where Jim was not the center of the story. Um, man. Yes. <laughs> it, it's, 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 there's so many angles here. There's um, so John many. Clinch wrote a book called Jim about 10 years ago. Um, a white writer from I think mm-hmm. Missouri himself who I think it felt like a more traditional from a different character's point of view and addressing the slights and overlooking this and underestimations yeah. of the original book. I thought it was good. And Everett, I can't imagine he's going to do 
that. I, mean, I don't want to say just that because that's worth doing in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. And people have done it. You know, Wide Sargasso Sea. There's a long history yes. of a pretty straightforward, serious, and subversive re uh, take on a character that didn't get their just due. But this is going to be, I feel like it's also going to be about that. Like Everett's books tend mm-hmm. to be about the thing they're about, and they're also about yes. being about the thing they're about. <laughs> yeah, there's like a metafictional element and yeah. a meta metafictional element to the way that he writes. And I don't know exactly what that angle is going to be, uh, which I'm excited about. Mm-hmm. I don't know what his take, for lack of a better term, on Twain is going to look like. Yeah. And I mean, he can just write. The writing will be great. The sentences will be delightful and surprising, and they will move. Dude can write a page turner. Yep. And that that combination of like, it's about a pretty serious thing. You're taking an American classic and all of the connotations that come with that. You're turning it on its head in some ways. Uh, there are people who will probably clutch their pearls at what Percival Everett has done to a you know a beloved character, and that's part of the mm-hmm. idea too. He's here to make you clutch your pearls. Um, I'm so excited about this one. I can't wait to talk about it. You know how you know that Everett is a razor sharp genius at the height of his game who knows all the angles. Hmm. Three hundred twenty pages. <laughs> yeah, the book is beautiful and it's a reasonable size. Yeah. And Oprah has it in her. She does. Oh, I forgot. It's been a while since we had an Oprah pick. We haven't had there was one, one since this Jasmine. Morning. Oh, there, there was one was. pick this I morning. It. Yeah, okay. I, the, I don't actually. The title was unfamiliar to me, so I don't have the tip of my tongue. But this is a month later. You know, and she mm-hmm, can pick it later. Mm-hmm. She's done that before. Yeah. Um, again, Oprah. It's been a while. I can't. Remember. What's the most difficult recent Oprah pick? But the Jasmine I cannot Ward. get out of my head. Yeah, that's true. Um, that she picked a box at a Faulkner. Back <laughs> yeah. The biggest flex of all time for Oprah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, Tolstoy and Toni Morrison. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just I say, yeah. just saying like it, she, she does can have it pull her. one out of the bag. She's not afraid if she wants to, to throw a curveball um, mm-hmm. or a breaking ball or a knuckle bar, whatever she want to do, where you don't really see that, at least to my knowledge. I don't follow the other ones as closely, the GMA or Jenna or, or Reese yeah. or whoever else it might be. I would love but to see that one, happen. I wouldn't be super surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't be super surprised either way. Fully expect this to be in the conversation oh, at yeah. the end of the year. Yes. Um, talk about it's kind of like when someone gets nominated for an Academy Award that hasn't won. Like, you know, when mm-hmm. Scorsese won for The Departed and it was like his yeah. 15th best movie, but he just hadn't won before. Like, we're just doing this for the body of work. It's Yeah, like, yeah it's like <laughs> it, it, we have a chance here. We have the tree to hang the ornament on. And I also think there's a there's a chance this tree is the tree that people can understand right. better. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's done this before. He's taken literary characters. The most recent one I can think of is in Doctor No. Not a specific. I mean, it is a specific Bond character name, but it's a different kind of character, and did something completely different yeah. about it. And I still am scratching my head in a good way about what that book is about. <laughs> um, so it's it's exciting. Uh, this is as. This is an exciting kind of a book yeah. from a major publisher at the right time in a long, and long time for me. Also, adaptation potential. We're past peak adaptation, but there's room for this, especially if American fiction does really well at the Oscars. Yeah. I mean, who knows what the story is going to be? Because if it's, is it, it could go any, I mean, literally mm-hmm. could do anything. I'm not, I'm not that's not <laughs> yeah, hyperbole no. for me. No, it's, yeah, that's the wonderful thing about Everett is like every book is, a different topic. They, he moves between genres. He's done all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. 
you and you just never know like uh, half an inch of water I think was my first Percival Everett experience and it's a collection of short stories uh, like set in the American West kind of about cowboy life but you know he's a black man some of the cowboys in the stories are black men that's a really different experience and a different yeah kind of story to tell than like Yellowstone uh, and you just don't know <laughs> right. how different it's going to be until you get in there and see whatever it is doing and that there's like multiple vectors and layers of surprise makes him so much fun to read it's just such a good time like I'm we've been collectively excited about this and excited about the new Tommy Orange and excited about the mm-hmm. Salman Rushdie memoir and i think those will be probably like the three big reading experiences of this season but in terms of like what is just i'm gonna have the most fun with and it will be good it's got to be this yeah fascinating i mean he's been nominated for a pulitzer Pulitzer prize finalist i think that was for dr no as well maybe something earlier before like the trees is a really interesting i mean i'm just like quickly looking at some of the stuff and it's hard to wrap your hand around and it is exciting to that you have a modern master who's yet undiscovered by most people that that walk into a Barnes and Noble like my dad mm-hmm. doesn't know well yeah. before I mean if I asked him today who, who wrote the book American Fiction is based on he wouldn't know the name Percival Everett my dad's a good reader he just is yeah um, but he doesn't you know hasn't encountered Everett it's, at this point it's fascinating like folks were standing around outside the theater when I went to see American Fiction and most of them did not know that it had been based on a book and. Yeah. It was like, oh, just just wait, though. Just, <laughs> now yeah. you get to discover Percival Everett. Lucky you. All right. So that's James by Percival Everett. Um, I knew once I saw this book mm-hmm. that <laughs> it would be some way of uh, pantomiming interest in the rest of the picks. But it's still a good slate, <laughs> right? It's still yeah. a good slate of books for March. It is. Yeah, March is looking strong. There's several here I'm looking forward to. All right. With that, you can find the show notes, bookwright.com slash listen to see all the picks there. You could also hear me on first edition. Let me see. Well, you will not be able to hear interviews with some interested parties yet, um, but stay tuned for some of those coming out soon. Check out better living through books, the book Riot podcast newsletter. And as the aforementioned Patreon in which over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the book of love soon. I think we record that on mm-hmm. Thursday. Thursday. I'm, I'm getting through that. Um, lot to say about that book. I'll, I'll keep my cards close to the vest for now. Same. And is, is James, do we have that as a Patreon or as a regular We episode? do. We have we it as a Patreon. A Patreon episode. Mm-hmm. So if you want to hear us talk more about these books, sign up for that. Some other things coming up as well. Deals, deals, deals. The most recent iteration of our, um, I guess, multi-year recurring mm-hmm. segment in which I say book deals and announcements at Rebecca and listen to her respond and then say things back and then move on to the next one. It's a great time. Uh, very good time. Thank you all so much for listening. Rebecca, we'll talk to you later. All right.